friend. We want to welcome you back to the Life Coach BFF show. Before we begin, I want to read the sweetest review from one of you, our listeners. This is from Busta Beat Bob. Just hearing your voices warms my heart. I have loved, loved, loved each episode. Wow. Thank you so much. Your kind words have warmed our hearts. You have no idea. We are so appreciative of all of your support, reviews, stars, likes, and most importantly, your friendship and love. Thanks again, Bust to Beat Bob. In today's episode, Lori Parrish from Memphis Moms Collective interviews Susan highlighting life with an adult child with autism. This is a subject that we have not discussed in the past, but Susan was happy to dive into it with Lori. We hope that you will find this conversation helpful and will share with a friend or family member who needs to be encouraged. Thank you, friends, for being here with us. Here we go. Hello, everybody. My name is Lori Parrish. I'm one of the co-owners of the Memphis Mom Collective, and we are reversing order today with Heather and Susan. Um, Normally, they do the interviews, and uh, today we're going to swap places, and I am going to interview them. So super excited about that. Um, How are you, ladies? We're well. We're happy to be here, Lori. Thanks for inviting us to be on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I wrote you into it. I was like, hey, do you want to be on your own podcast? <laughs> yes, it sounds fun. <laughs> so I love it. Well, we are doing a um, editorial week this week. Um, for those that don't understand what that means, basically we do one whole week of a topic and we go pretty in-depth with it. Um, and this week is called living with autism. Uh, we have a four part series. It's called real talk. And so we've done one, a real talk series in February and March. And then real talk now is the April, uh, one living with autism. And then next month, our real talk is mom's mental health. So, um, we have been super excited with the response of this specific series. Um, and I feel like there's so much information out there today about autism, but yet it's also something that I felt shared the limelight a couple years ago or even a decade ago. And now I feel like the conversation has kind of waned off. I don't know if that's kind of the right perspective, um, if you guys have that or not, but I kind of want to delve into, um, most of the information out there for parents is when kids are newly diagnosed, when they're little, um, kind of when they're in the trenches. And I would say that goes for parenting too. Um, I know that we do a lot of information for new moms, first time moms, kind of the under five crowd. And then you get into the teenager ages and you're like, where's the manual? <laughs> Where are all the parenting? Where's the parenting websites? So I feel like the same thing happens with autism, that there is so much focus on Again, like the newly diagnosed, the little kids, um, the ones going into school, getting IEPs for the first time. And I feel like there's not conversation around older people with autism, young adults with autism, what that looks like for a family. Um, And so I would love to pass this off to you because um, Susan, this is close to your heart. So if you want to give us just a little background on you and... um, 
kind of why I roped you into this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I am, let's see, I'm 58. Um, so I had kids a little bit later in life. Um, my husband and I've been married 30 years and we have four children. Um, and the youngest three are triplets. And I had a really rocky pregnancy, as you can imagine, being a 38-year-old with triplets. But um, one of the triplets has autism and they will be, the triplets will be 20 um, in about three weeks. And let me think. <laughs> I'm trying to think where to go from here. Uh, um, but anyway, I did have a lot of um, problems in pregnancy and a lot of it was um, the one with autism that ended up having autism because he had a bleed of a brain bleed um, during the pregnancy and was distressed. And so they ended up coming much earlier than the doctor wanted. They were delivered at 28 weeks and probably spent two months in NICU. And he had multiple surgeries um, as a tiny little infant. You know, he had a shunt, it got infected. I think he's had the shunt replaced four times. And so he was five when he was diagnosed with autism. And that was because mom did not want to hear it. <laughs> Right. I want to hear it. I was like, you know what? We already have enough problems. So let's don't add another one to the table. And I'm a retired psychiatrist. I was, I'm a psychiatrist. So for me to think that was kind of ridiculous, but I completely understand, you know, how most moms feel is you don't want the diagnosis because it's almost like, you have to get over that hurdle of thinking if it's not diagnosed, then it's not real. But I finally had to come to grips with the fact that the problems were there no matter what we called them. And if we maybe had a name for what was going on, then we could approach treatment and figure out ways to deal with what was going on and how to make, how to give him a better life, you know, just make him more functional so he could enjoy life. And um, he is at this point, he graduated from high school last year. He has what they call an occupational diploma, which is not an actual high school diploma. Um, but he went all the way through 12th grade. He did a lot of, um, self-contained special ed until he was probably in like ninth ninth grade, I would say. And then they started trying to integrate him. And he was, they had at that point kind of this special program that was halfway between self-contained and just regular. And so they focused a lot on um, things that he would need for work. So most of his English classes were geared toward filling out applications and making a resume. Um, you know, understanding a bus schedule, all those sorts of things that I felt like would be much more useful to him than him having a diploma that was a piece of paper, but he didn't actually have any of the knowledge to back it up. Absolutely. So I don't know if you know, I, in a former life, used to be an ABA therapist. 
autism has always been just kind of a passion of my heart, especially to try to get resources through our website for moms. And unfortunately it really just didn't happen until this year. Mm -hmm. Um, but your story is so familiar because I work with so many families that hire me to come and consult with them and give suggestions on just how to integrate the family goals with the school goals with the social goals and you know you have a whole team you have a speech therapist an occupational therapist and a physical therapist (laughs) and you know and then to get everybody on board and then to get other family members on board grandma might be in denial and and treats so and so a different way or you know the teacher has academic expectations and the home team has completely different expectations and so um did you find that um, it was difficult getting a team in place when he was five? Yeah, yes, he did. Um, he he did a couple of years um, at the elementary school that had an absolutely fantastic self-contained program, but he was really lacking um, verbally. He would use phrases that he learned from watching cartoons, but he couldn't, he had zero spontaneous language and he was still in a diaper. So that, that was probably when he was five, I tell my friend, I said, I can't do this. I said, he has got to get out of this diaper by the, before his birthday. And she, she's a child psychiatrist. And she said, I have a patient who's eight and he is still in a diaper. And I said, Karen, I will die. I can't do it. I cannot do that. Well, guess what? We did. He was eight when he came out of that diaper. But um, anyway, yeah, we actually brought him home to homeschool because he needed such focused treatment. And we had ABA therapists in and out of the house for probably three years. Mm -hmm. We just had to get, um, what do you call it? Instructional control. Mm-hmm. I mean, we yeah. had to, be, he had to be able to understand that before we could do anything. And I would say out of all the things that we have done, ABA therapy was absolutely the, the most productive. It was the most difficult, um, but it was the absolute most productive because we did everything. I mean, yeah. Did special diets. He flew across uh-huh. the country to see autism <laughs> doctors so that he could have nasal B12. I mean, all right, all you right. name it, we did it. Absolutely. So, um, so let me ask you real quick. I'm going to kind of segue here. When you mentioned all the therapies in and out of the house, um, you're flying across the country for him. How are your other, like, how is his siblings reacting to them. <laughs> we, we were talking about this earlier. It's funny you should mention that. We were talking about, yeah, you know siblings. how your, your children always think there's one of the other ones is the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have acknowledged many times there. I know there are four of you, but he's gets 50%. I know that he's taking up 50% of my energy and emotions and y'all, the other three are having to share the other 50%. And that was tough because we were homeschooling all four of them. And um, others have issues too. I mean, like we had one in dyslexia therapy for eight years. There's another one that's on the spectrum who has had, he had speech therapy, you know, but 
everything. He probably had eight years of therapy too. So everybody, I, I was like, one of, I was like, I'm sorry, you didn't get your fair share, but you didn't have enough. Therapy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. And, you know, they actually refer to the three years that we did that special diet, you know, the gluten-free, dairy-free mm-hmm. as the dark yep. years. Yeah, the dark years and they laugh they would they would steal cookies steal cookies at church and they would put desserts (laughs) in their pocket to take home and save and eat you know just it was so hard it was really it was hard so if you had to give some advice to a mom who has more than one child and one has autism and the others don't what advice would you give to her to um encourage and support the sibling relationship because eventually in a lot of cases the siblings are going to take care of their brother or their sister you know parents aren't going to be around forever so unless you have a massive trust fund that you know you can set up for um you know year-round care uh oftentimes it's the siblings that are going to have to kind of take the burden eventually so Mm -hmm. how do you kind of foster that relationship where you want them to love each other and have a normal typical brother, sister, brother, brother relationship, but yet you also know eventually they're going to be the parent. Um, I would say, I think to acknowledge it with the children, you know, that sometimes, you know, one of you is going to require more attention than the others. Um, I, I also, tried not to be overprotective of him in that I let I kind of let them all play together um and that they weren't I thankfully didn't have any really super rough children in my home Um, (laughs) we had some other we had some friends that were a little bit rough um so um but so that way you, I mean, you just kind of treated them as they're all normal siblings together, you know? Yes. And the other, the one thing I would say, my sister-in-law used to joke, we, we live on a farm and so we have horses and so mucking the stalls and feeding and all that is part of it. Well, he always got the easy part because poor, poor, you know, poor little OBT, he can't do that. And my sister-in-law was like, he's the smartest one out of all of them because he's like, hey, special needs over here. I, don't need to, I can't do that. And so, um, and his, his older sister was really good at pushing him to be normal. And I just, I let her do it a lot of times, you know, because you can only tell them so many times, stop picking your nose. But when their sibling <laughs> goes, stop picking your nose, you're embarrassing me. Somehow <laughs> right. it gets through to them and they receive right. a message. And um, yeah. yeah, he, you know, all those little sensory difficulties that they have. Um, I, I just kind of let them, you know, she took one of her brothers out and left him in the middle of the pasture and made him walk back barefooted until he got over disliking the feeling of grass on his bare feet I mean and I was just like go for it it's, it's called flooding therapy it's right. just, you know and because they were already having so many difficulties I just thought if a little bitty bits you can just kind of push them towards normalcy right, right. then it's, it's okay to do it's okay to do that I yeah. mean, I think it'll be life will be a little bit easier for them right all right so I have, I have a couple more questions so the next one is um 
as you were going through life, um, of course, as a mom, we all need community, um, regardless of what our kids are like or circumstances or whatnot. But I feel like we're really good about loving new moms and, you know, moms that have kids in the hospital and things like that. But um, as a mom, what did you need day to day that um, you maybe never told a friend or um, if you could empower a mom to speak up for herself, what, what would that look like? Does that make sense? Yes. Hmm. Like how, like if, if you turn to Heather, what, what do you need Heather to be for you? I think having somebody to laugh with mm -hmm. that just acknowledges the hardship and just laughs with you. Um, mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I mean, if, you know, when they smear poop on the wall, you just, you got to clean it up and keep rolling. I mean, you can cry about it, but it's still there, you know, and, right. and you can't ask your friend to come over and do it. But I think just having friends that just acknowledge it, that encourage you and say, you know, you're doing a good job and I know how hard it is, um, mm -hmm. but that encourage you and um, that treat you like you're normal mm -hmm. and that don't disclose that don't shy away from being around you and your child because I think that's important that a lot of times we're, we're so focused on inclusion and 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 throwing that term around with our children and our schools you know everybody include the children and of course we want to teach that you know we want our kids to look at the person or child in their classroom and have empathy and say come on over and join our group or go sit next to them at lunch. But I also feel like as adults, we forget about the mom. You know, we forget to include her because if we invite her to the birthday party, something might happen, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and and I think it's it's good to acknowledge that, hey, they need friends too. And, um, and welcome those people into your home. I one time had um, a family and we were friends with and the little boy was on the spectrum and he came over to Allie's birthday party. And before I could even stop him, he got into her birthday cake and just smashed it. <laughs> and you know what? Oh, wow. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, we fixed it and like, no one cared, you know, and it was so great because it was, it was just one of those moments where that, that was the little boy. I mean, he didn't do it maliciously, you know, it was not, it was not a big deal. He saw something and he was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and the, and the dad was so embarrassed and we're like, don't be embarrassed. Like all our kids do stuff, you know, yeah. and, and he stayed and he didn't leave and the kids had a great time. And, you know, I think as, as parents and moms, we need to remember to, to bring that mom along and say, who cares what your kid does? You know, right. all of our kids are doing deal. crazy things, Lori. They're all doing <laughs> yeah. crazy things. Always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Sometimes he's the one I worry about the least, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so as he's gone, Lori, you said he's turning 20 pretty mm -hmm. soon. Um, a lot of moms, I feel like, kind of get this message when their kids are first diagnosed that with enough effort, your kid will be over it by the time they're in high school or they'll be functional enough to leave your house, you know? And I think that there's always the goal. I think, especially mm -hmm. um, 
with some kids, you know, how it's such a spectrum. And I know we're kind of getting away from the whole puzzle piece aspect of it that, you know, kids are, have strengths in different areas, but, um, you know, there's the, the high functioning kids that, um, I feel like are like, okay, they'll be fine, you know, but mm -hmm. I also feel like there's been this message, especially to kids that need more therapy and that continue to struggle with, you know, verbal, um, words and communication and reading mm -hmm. emotions and things like that. You were saying, you know, he doesn't have spontaneous language and, um, he does now. He does now, he does but, now but yes, like he he's he will never drive. Right. He has about a one second delay, processing delay, mm -hmm. and you can't drive with a one second processing right. delay. Right. <laughs> he, he wants to. <laughs> he wants a VW Beetle so right. bad he can right. taste it, but it's just. Yes. I, you know, that's just it's not safe. I don't think that's ever. So when you, so what if you we're talking to a mom that had a newly diagnosed child. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, again, there's this push to like, okay, with enough therapy, they're just going to live their life later. What would you say to her to kind of pull her in realistically? Like what, um, maybe I, I'm not wording it right, but I, I know feel like, exactly, I know exactly what you're saying. And I, I think that the goal should be that they can be as functional as possible and have an enjoyable life. Um, and everybody has different means, you know, to support that adult child. Um, there is so little out there for adults with autism. You know, the waiting list can be 10 years for, for group homes sometimes in some of these larger cities. Um, and I do agree that the chatter about autism has completely died down and there's hardly any funding, you know, going to take care of these adults now, most of them, you know, most of the severe ones are adults now. Right. And, um, so, and I know we always want the best for our children but I also feel like you have to be realistic it just sets everybody up for extreme disappointment if you're just determined that he's going to be an astronaut and he can't get past <laughs> fourth grade math you know <laughs> right um it's just this um you know I think being I think being realistic about it and um trying to make a plan that works for everybody mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, does he, uh, does he still live at home with you? He does. Oh, and does he have more responsibility around the barn? <laughs> he, you know, actually, finally, <laughs> after two years, he has mastered watering the horses every afternoon. Love it. That's perfect. And <laughs> we have just recently added feeding the cats and dogs to his evening schedule. Schedule. That's um, great. I joke and say he does more chores than the rest of them because, you know, the rest yeah. of them, well, they have class, they have a job, you know, and he, <laughs> he, he's the dishwasher every day and every day he, um, he takes the garbage out, you know, he's responsible, he's the garbage person, he's responsible for that, <laughs> so sometimes I say he does more, you know, than the rest of them do, and he is, right. he cooks, he's not going to miss a meal, 8 a.m., 12 p, you know, 12 noon and 5 p.m. are his his eating times. 
Right. And he will fix himself a meal. He's not going to miss a meal. <laughs> so uh, does he, does he know what his diagnosis is? Have you been open with him about his label? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But some families take different approaches. You know, I wasn't sure. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, again, every family is functions differently and makes I mean, their it's own decisions. Like we talk about it all the time, but. No, of course not. Right. I just didn't yeah. know if someone, you know, if, if he ever really understood mm-hmm. how his brain worked differently, you know, but. Um, I think being in self-contained with, you know, 10 or 12 other kids that are, that were just like him mm-hmm. um, has made it easier you know for him uh-huh. and his best friend is exactly like him they're uh-huh. like two peas in a pod they love cartoons and they facetime every day at least love one. it talk Aww, about movies. They're like you too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and alec you need to plug his instagram alec yes. is just he has a lot of talent he wants to work for disney one day mm-hmm. Tell I love that. Guys. Yeah, he does, he is he's at a thaggard one five seven on Instagram, and he he um does mashup cartoon books. I love it. You know, yeah. with, um Disney characters, Phineas and Ferb characters, cars, and um he makes videos. And That's great. Yeah, he That's has a channel. He got hacked, and he had to redo it. Before that, he was <laughs> still upset because he had a lot of followers before he got hacked I mean he literally right. had like I don't know like 300 followers which is a lot because you know it wasn't like that was his <laughs> job anyway he got hacked um, somebody in Peru hacked his some some oh, you know, no. some other cartoon loving he's <laughs> a hard worker though Lori he, he, yes. a, he works so every day that's all his, he does yeah. all day mm-hmm. I love that I can stop he is he is working on his on his drawings and his videos. That's so. great. Uh, I I love the fact that you're encouraging his creativity, you know, and and expressing who he is and supporting him in what he's good at, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important, no matter who you are. But it's extra special when you do it for those kids. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, well, thank you for talking with me. Um, I feel like you're such a resource for moms, um, that, you know, just need to talk it out with someone, you know, you can empathize with someone as much as possible, but you really can only identify, sorry, all of a sudden the sun is like super in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, you really, I think you can only have those true conversations with people who know exactly what you're going through. So, um, I appreciate your candidness and, um, I hope that, you know, someone can reach out to you. Of course, we'll link your podcast um, on our page. So if they would like to message you or. Yes, absolutely. They can message me on, um, on our Instagram. Okay. Um, you know, they could do that. That would be great. And I just appreciate you asking, so, mm-hmm. you know, asking about this. Cause I don't think I've ever talked about it with anybody. Oh, uh-huh. no not like this no yeah well you should you should you know I just started watching the tv series on Netflix atypical yeah I don't know if you know about it yeah it's, so, it's, it's great um mm-hmm. and it, you know it really kind of talks about young adults and dating and all those yeah. things moving yeah. out living on their own so <laughs> yeah, mine told me last week he would like to have a girlfriend 
<laughs> yeah. My husband just went, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, you know. Uh, so anyway, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you letting me interview you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Lori. And um, anytime you want to talk with us, we would love to chat thank about any, so any topic. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Lori. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Take care. Susan, you did a great job. Okay, friends, if you have additional questions or comments that you would like to message Susan, you may reach her on Instagram at LifeCoachBFF or Facebook. And Lori Parrish, we cannot thank you enough for your time and for the fantastic interview. You may reach Lori where she blogs at MemphisMomCollective.com or on social. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Hi, BFFs. Our families would like to thank all of our sponsors as well as you, our friends, for supporting this podcast. We are grateful for Petty Dental of Bartlett for funding this episode. Mm-hmm.